Come on. Paul, should we get started? Absolutely. Welcome to Lifeblood Express. This is George G. Our guest today is a strong and powerful Paul Attaway. Excited to have you on. Paul is a retired entrepreneur, full-time author. His newest book is Blood in the Low Country. Paul, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, personal life, happily married, 32, almost 33 years, three adult uh, children successfully launched oldest is married we have a seven-month grandchildren and to repeat an off-use phrase if we could do it all over again we'd have the grandchildren first they are just <laughs> fantastic so uh, my wife and I uh, lived in Phoenix for 30 plus years but we now live in Charleston South Carolina and uh, it's been uh, you know, a great great transition um, but we continue to return to Phoenix um, I became an author I began to dabble as an author three years ago, but I was still consulting, still doing my, you know, you know, what it was I knew how to do. And about a year and a half into that process, I realized that if I was going to give myself a legitimate chance to succeed as an author, I had to go all in. Mm-hmm. So I wrapped up my final consulting gig. Uh, said no to a few other opportunities that might or might not have been there, and I went all in and uh, finished the book uh, February of 2020, and cover design, editing, figuring out what the title would be, learning how to self-publish took another you know six-plus months, and the book became available in September of last year. So you asked the question why I do what I do. And I think at the end of the day, um, it's a desire to uh, be creative, a desire to solve problems, a desire to look at something, a blank sheet, so to speak, literally and figuratively from time to time, and um, in taking on challenges. So I think it's the create. I think it's the creative uh, outlet that really gets me up in the morning. Nice. Well, I appreciate that. So I've been talking a lot about it, which is probably going to be obnoxious for, for some people, but I just finished The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. I, I don't know if you're familiar with that. I am not, but I'm going to write it down. It, it is a, it, it, it's, it's an amazing book, and I don't throw that term around lightly, but fundamentally her, her premise is that, that, that we're all creative and that for a variety of reasons that sort of gets pushed down or, 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 or pushed aside. Have you always thought of yourself as a creative person? I think the answer to that question is no, and I haven't changed, but my definition of being creative has changed, and I I think far too many of us think of creative people as that are people that are in the arts. They paint, they sing, they dance, they act, Um, but I think if someone comes in and they say, uh, we've just created this and we need to figure out a way to ship it safely, but we can't spend more than $2.50 on packaging. Get busy. Mm-hmm. You have to be creative to solve problems. So I, I do believe that – so my definition of creative has, has expanded, and I, I would agree with this. Uh, Who did you say wrote the book, Artist's Way? Julia Cameron. I would agree with that assessment that we are all creative. Interesting, right? And I, I, I think that you really enjoy it. Um, 
it's one thing to want to to be an author, to want to be a writer, but then one thing to actually, well, I guess throughout the course of your career, have had had you been writing? Had you been? Yes. Yes. Uh, you go back far enough, I was a lawyer for a whopping two years. And in law school, I joke that I learned to write in law school. Mm. Uh, I was on the law review, and my mentor was a third-year law student, and she had been an English professor uh, prior to returning to law school. And so I would write 10 pages. I'd give it back to her completely marked up. And by the time I was done, it would be down to like four or five pages. So I learned to write in law school and then was a lawyer for a brief period. That didn't stick. And then I entered into the small business world where I had to write marketing material, offering memorandums, disclosure statements, installation instructions, um, uh, all manner of collateral material in industries ranging from semiconductor, microelectronics to uh, private lending. And for me, I wanted to say it as succinctly as possible. Mm. I wanted to get everything onto one page, one page, whatever, because people's time is valuable. So the answer to your question is yes. Throughout my career, I have always um, written and I've enjoyed that. And I, I, I think that having done that for 30 years served me well when I sat down to write a book. Yeah. Well, I think a thousand percent that that's, I'm, I'm sure that that's true. And I've heard that certainly that, that going to law school and being an attorney does, does teach you to critically think and to be able to distill ideas and to, I don't want to say ruthless, but to really be ruthless about cutting, making changes. So. Correct. I enjoyed law school. I didn't enjoy being a lawyer. So. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate that. So are are you a creature of habit? Do you have routines? I do. Uh, and it's interesting that you say that. Um, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll circle back in a minute. Yes, uh, I, I very much like routine. Uh, and I have one. I wake up, and like we all do, of course. But then there are things that I do, you know, uh, so, uh, start the coffee, uh, light calisthenics to get the blood rushing, a uh, few minutes of quiet time as I start my day, and then I'll kind of scan through a few headlines. Um, and then um, I need to, and this is the hard part, get up and go to the desk, push away the distractions, because of course you can go down a rabbit trail if you start following headlines, etc. Sit down and write. And I, in my most creative times, typically are in the morning. Now, I will find uh, that it's not going anywhere and I kind of butting my head and then, then you, your productivity wanes and then the more pressure you put on yourself, the harder it gets and I have to walk away and I'll find it could be, you know, later in the day when I've gone for a run or to, you know, go to the supermarket or maybe go hit balls in the driving range that all of a sudden I'll go, wait a minute, that could work and an idea pops into my head. But at the same time, I'm learning routine can become a rut. Mm. And, and this is something that's been weighing on me quite a bit lately. My routine, I fear, has become a rut. And so to, to uh, reuse another phrase, if you want different outcomes, you've got to do things differently. So I have been looking at how I do everything to see uh, if what I'm doing is working if, if, I, if I can improve in any way, and it can be really little things, but sometimes I do think routines can become a rut. Um, 
and it's hard to break and it can be very hard to break out of them so i think it's a balance i think it's a balance yeah it's a fascinating i don't know if it's fascinating or not but doing the same thing over and over again while it serves us in so many uh, capacities of life does not necessarily lend itself for excitement and 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 and, and magic necessarily like oh, absolutely can, <laughs> absolutely i i think i i you know and and all of these devices that are supposed to make our lives so much more efficient well i mean we've all we, we've all experienced how they become uh you know anchors um so you know, I think if you can find a way to get away, and that could simply be sitting in a chair on the other end of the house, to to remove yourself from the stuff that 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 just sort of keeps you in your routine, uh, I think that can be healthy, even if it's just for you know 20 minutes. That can be healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, d- definitely agree. So now being on the other side, having gone through the the exercise of learning how to self-publish and everything that goes into it from the cover art to just all of it. And for lack of a better term, learning the business of, of authorship, um, big surprises, key takeaways, thoughts. Yeah. Um, uh, a lot of surprises. One is, um, how unbelievably hard it is. Um, you know, now my wife and I joke, writing the book was the easy part. It was all right here. I was the one that controlled the outcome, so to speak. It was done to me to sit down. Well, now I have to convince total strangers to buy my book. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's, it's, there are like literally thousands of books published each day. Um, so getting your book out there and having it surface in front of enough people so that they will click and, and spend the money on it, it's exceedingly difficult. Um, self-publishing, okay, uh, to publish means to, to, to put it into a medium, print or digital, and get it out there in front of people. Uh, a publisher has distribution. They have a sales team. They have a catalog of books, and they have bookstores that they call on and that carry their books. So when you self-publish – you have no distribution. Your distribution, by and large, is online. Uh, Amazon. That's why I, I love Amazon and I hate Amazon. You know, I mean, they are a phenomenal company, um, but they they are so dominant for a self publisher because the only bookstores that carry my books are bookstores that I have personally walked into, introduced myself to the owner, I tell them where they can buy my book. And they're typically happy to support a debut author, um, and so they'll buy a few. But it, that's that's no it, that's um, you know I think I now have eight stores in the Charleston area that carry my book. Uh, and given COVID last year, everything was shut down, mm. and so it, it really came down to social media. So I, you know I'm 57 years old and I couldn't spell social media uh, a year and a half ago. <laughs> and now I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram and I'm posting regularly and I'm going to my, my two daughters that are very active. They, they, um, you know, they're influencers in their fields and they're, they're teaching me and I have an ad agency. They're all young people and they, and they are, they're dragging me into the 21st century uh, <laughs> on how to, on how to uh, market myself. So I think, I think the other big difference for me has been in the past, I marketed a product or service. I would say this is what I'm offering, be it um, a product or a return on an investment. And so I could talk about this. Um, 
now to a large extent as a self-published auditor, I'm marketing myself, which is different. Never done this before. I have to create myself as a brand. I have to build relationships with people uh, through social media, which is awkward. It's just not something I don't I've, I've ever had to do. So it's it's all brand new, and uh, I'm learning. But uh, yeah, it's uh, being a self-published author is um, is a, is two full-time jobs: writing your next book and selling the book you just published. Yeah. Has that taken any of the joy out of it? Um, I think the answer to that question is yes or no. There are times when I get a little beat up. I'm mm-hmm. like, Ugh, good grief. Um, but I think that's normal. I mean, there, in, in every job you have those days, you're like, oh, good grief, what am I doing? Uh, but at the end of the day, again, it's a challenge. And I am seeing success. So I'm seeing that these things I'm learning to do work. It does work. And um, uh, when I go and I get my little checks from Amazon and the other big publishers, Ingram Spark, they, they distribute through Barnes and Noble and through independent bookstores and libraries. So I get the reports, I see my daily sales, I see it working. And uh, so no, I think by and large, yeah, at times you're sort of, oh, I'm never gonna be able to pull this off. But there are enough um, high marks to keep me motivated. And as far as writing book two is concerned, um, that's just fun. I, I enjoy the writing process. So I haven't had any um, uh, reason to doubt whether or not um, I'm glad I made this career choice. Yeah. Or career change, actually. Right. Do you think that you were always an author? And I, I feel like, uh, I think it's Stephen Pressfield, he talks about a shadow career, how you as, as an author, you masqueraded for a period as an attorney and then uh, as, as an entrepreneur. Uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. I get asked that question a lot. And I think the most direct answer is um, I am where I am right now. I don't think I could have been an author at the age of 25 or 30. I don't think I knew enough. I don't think I was as strong a writer then as I become now just through the, having had that discipline of writing. I also, you know, my life experiences at the age of 25 or 30 were pretty limited. And you know, one of the tips I picked up on uh, from reading books on how to write books and blogs on how to write books is you know, write what you know. Okay. Now, some people have extraordinary imaginations and you just, you're in awe of what they write. So sci-fi is not, quote, what you know, because it's, it's sci-fi. You know, Stephen King has an amazing, amazing imagination. But I think for a lot of us, we write what we know. Um, in my book, Blood in the Low Country, there is a subplot of a real estate scam that anybody that's been in the real estate world that I've talked to, they all chuckle and they read it. Um, I could not have written that had I not had a brief stint in the real estate world where I saw some you know, audacious attempts at, uh, at fraud along the way. So I think my life experiences have prepared me for this next career. So I think the answer is no, I don't think I've always been a writer, but I think I am now. I love it. So what kind of what what is blood in the low country is there a genre that it fits into tell me about it yeah yeah well that's another funny question because um, <laughs> genre is not even something i've even thought about when i sat down to write a book i didn't write down to fit on a particular bookshelf at the bookstore from a business perspective that should have been the first question i asked i just wrote a book 
the book is set in Charleston, South Carolina uh, in the 1970s. It's a murder mystery family drama. We have a husband and a wife and two boys. One is from her previous marriage and one they have together. Uh, and there is a murder that uh, takes place in their community and it rips uh, two families apart. Um, and there is a hunt. There's a person who's falsely accused of the murder and there's a hunt for the real murderer. And um, it, it has a fair amount of sort of Southern uh, feel to it. And, you know, I grew up in Atlanta, so I know what it was like to, to go to church on Sundays and then go to the brunch at the club. I knew what it was, you know, so there's, there, if you, if you have any experience growing up in the South, I, I'm hoping that there are parts of the book you read and you could smile. You go, yep. <laughs> um, so that's that's the setting of it, um, purely fiction, um, and uh, you know, it's I'm getting good feedback from it, getting good reviews, so that's fun. Wonderful. And you said you're already at work on the second one. Yep, the second one is also going to be. Uh, it starts off in Charleston. It's somewhat of a sequel. Um, some of the same recurring characters, but part of this book is going to go to the Bahamas and then back to Charleston. And there is a rich history between the Bahamas and Charleston. The Bahamas have been a jumping off point for blockade running. Uh, Revolutionary War, when the Brits were blockading Charleston. The Civil War, when the North was blockading Charleston. And then during Prohibition, when the feds were trying to keep bootleggers from bringing um, uh bootlegged uh, liquor in, uh, much of that came through the Bahamas. And then when the um, Revolutionary War ended, uh, Brits who were loyal to the crown, they were known as Tories or loyalists, no longer felt welcome in the Carolinas, and many of them fled to the Bahamas. And so the effective ruling class of the Bahamas for like the next hundred or so years were descendants of this loyalist class. So there are a lot of strong ties between the two. So um, this might have a bit of an historical fiction feel to it. We're still working out the story. I love it. Uh, yeah. But my wife and I were headed to the Bahamas in a week to do a little research. So... Um, Everybody's got to make sacrifices, Paul. Exactly. I know. I know. <laughs> well, Paul, the people are ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Um, give people that you are close to the gift of listening. Everybody wants to be understood. Everybody wants to feel like they've been heard. And in the world we live in today, so much of us, we're, we're great talkers very few of us ever stop to listen to the other person. And I think it would go a long way towards building more collaborative conversations uh, and tearing down the things that divide us if we actually heard what they said. And we I sometimes just going, I need to put you on hold. What I think I hear you saying is this. They hear it back and they go, yeah, that's it. You were listening. That's my tip. Well, I think that that is great stuff. That definitely gets come on, come on. I've always thought that uh, that one of the greatest gifts you can give anybody is your undivided attention. So I think that's Absolutely. excellent advice. Well, Paul, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? Where can they pick up a copy of Blood in the Low Country? And I don't want to put you on the spot, but any idea when the next book is going to come out? 
All right, I'll answer the easy ones first. <laughs> uh, my website is uh, pauladaway.com. My last name is A-T-T-A-W-A-Y. So that's pauladaway.com. Uh, you can buy the book at Amazon and uh, Barnes & Noble. It's also available in an Audible version. Uh, wherever you buy audio books, you can find it. Um, and paperback and hardback as well. Uh, of course, also on your Kindle. Um, as far as when the next book is going to be out, I'm really hoping that I can have it out by first quarter of next year. That's the goal. Excellent. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Paul your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Pick up a copy of Blood in the Low Country on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You can pick up a hardcover, softcover, pick it up on Audible, and keep an eye out for the new book as well. Thanks again, Paul. Thanks, George. Appreciate it. Have a great day. You as well. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight as we are all in this together. <laughs>